We've been in a series called Boot Up, had a lot of fun just kind of walking through the Ephesians 6 chapter, talking about the spiritual armor that we've been given, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that we're in a war, but it's a spiritual battle that we're involved in and that we've been given tools to fight with. I just want to just rehearse Ephesians 6. We can read that, chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. It's against authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, because it's going to come. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done all to stand, everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spear, which is the word of God. So last week we touched on the helmet of salvation. We've worked through this whole armor and we're right at this helmet of salvation piece and we just wanted to kind of finish this on because the helmet's very important. In fact, I, we have several coaches in the, in the house and I, I asked uh, one of our Gold Shores coaches if he wouldn't mind um, letting me borrow um, one of their, their helmets. Now, helmets are very important and this is a brand new, he gave me a brand new helmet. He said, I gotta give it back and Dude, I don't even know how to open this thing. Dude. <laughs> okay, I'm going to figure this out. So anyway, let me tell you a story about my, my son. My son was playing football for Gulf Shores. And uh, you got to have a helmet on so you don't get a concussion. Because your head's very important. If you go out without a helmet, you're probably not going to last very long. Can somebody say Amen. I told, I told coach, I said, I sure hope this thing fits my head. He says, it better, right? <laughs> this is the largest one we got. So I, so I, 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 my son was uh, playing and, and he ran across the middle. He was uh, playing um, slot back and he came across the middle, caught a pass and got hit by a Sarah Land linebacker and um, ended up, we didn't know this at the time, but it, he ended up actually breaking his collarbone. But he's lying on the ground and um, kept the, onto the football, which is the most important part. And, um, <laughs> and they gained a first down, but, but uh, he wasn't getting up very fast. And so I, they, they, they carried him, basically walked him off, and he's kind of wobbly off to the sidelines. And, and uh, so they have a trainer there, and she's very good. And she, she's sitting there, and I'm standing there. I'm a chaplain of the team, and I'm standing there kind of watching. She's like asking him some questions. He's like kind of looking around. And, and she says, uh, do you know this guy right here? And he looks up at me and, and he kind of said like this. And she goes, um, uh, what's his middle name? And he looked back up at me and he said, I don't know. <laughs> and she goes, well, what's his phone number? And he looked up at me and he goes, I don't know. And she, she looked at me and she said, is this true? I said, probably right. He probably doesn't know any of that. So ask, him some, 
Ask him something simple, you know. That's a little too complicated. Anyway, uh, he did end up having a concussion and all that kind of stuff. But you have to have a helmet or you're not going to last long on the field. Because the enemy wants to come in the spiritual world. He wants to cut off your head. He wants to eliminate your ability to fight the fight of faith with the mind of Christ, if you would. When Jesus took his last breath on the cross, I preached a sermon one time called The Greatest Three Words Ever Spoken. The one, when, when Jesus was on the cross, the greatest words that I think ever spoken was these three words, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, that was an amazing thing because what that meant was that I don't have to work for my salvation anymore. I can, now it's, he's taken it for me and he's forgiven me of my sins. And now by grace through faith, I, I can walk with God and, and know God in a great way. And, and so it was a great day. But guess what? When he was on that cross hanging there, they had taken him to a little hill outside Jerusalem. And there was a specific name for that hill. Do you know what that hill's name was? Golgotha. You know what Golgotha means? It means the place or the place of the skull. The place of the skull, which means to me that the moment Jesus died, that resurrection story began for you and I. And Jesus, what he did on that cross, when he said, it is finished, he tied my salvation to the resurrection and, and, and of the skull, if you would. He, he, what he, he, he took the skull the, where the home of the brain, brain is, and he said, I'm going to redeem your mind. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, it is finished. I, I planted my cross right here, on the, right where you're heads at, where your thoughts are, where your mind's at. And I'm telling you, the, the way you used to think is over. You don't have to think that way anymore. I'm giving you a resurrected brain, a resurrected mind, a resurrected ability to think as I think, to think as God thinks. It's a brand new day. It was more than just a place of the skull. It's a place of a renewed mind. And so Christ gives me now the power and you the power to transform the way you think. And now I can now think like Christ. That's an amazing thought. That you and I literally have the opportunity to think as Christ thought and thinks. That is, that is just mind-blowing. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse two. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God do what? transform you into a new person by changing the way you walk, by changing the way you eat. We got anybody reading the scripture with me here this morning? By changing what? The way you think. Then you'll know what God's will is for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants to transform us by the changing the way we think. How important are our thoughts? Very important. Our vision comes, the vision that we have for our future or our family or our community comes from our thoughts, comes from our mind. The words come from our, our, our head, from our thoughts. Uh, and the opportunity to make impact on our community comes from our thoughts. And I like what somebody said. They said our leadership is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Let me just say that one more time. Your leadership of your home, of your business, of the community, of just your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Whatever your strongest thoughts are is what's going to rule your life. Mm. Don't shout me down. It's too, too early. I, I, I'm just starting. I'm going to give you some scientific stuff. Now, I'm not, 
a neuroscientist or a surgeon or anything like that. I'm just a guy. But I've been reading some books about the brain. There's a great book by Caroline Leaf called Switch on Your Brain, a great Christian um, researcher uh, of the brain. And uh, I've, I've gleaned a couple of thoughts and from, from some of these writings I've been looking at. But here's some good news. You, when you were born, you were born wired already to love. In fact, all of your mental circuitry is wired to think in a positive, faith-filled way the moment you were born. You have a natural optimism that you inherited once you came out of the womb. You were not presupposed to think negative or fearful the moment you were born. Actually, it's the other way around. God designed you to move in a faith-filled way and to make good choices. But the problem is we choose from time to time to think in fear or negative, and we make negative choices as a result, and then the quality of our life totally dissipates. There's a study done by the American Institute of Health. Get this, 75 to 90% of visits to the doctor, they concluded are stress related or somehow related to toxic thinking in the patient. That's almost three to almost all the patients that they see is related to toxic thinking. Dr. Bruce Lipton, in an article called The Biology of Belief, said 98% of diseases are related to our thinking. This is, this is staggering that the majority of the ailments that we suffer physically and behaviorally and emotionally have so much to do with what's going on between these two ears. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you gotta quit stinking thinking. Come on, just go ahead and tell him. You're stinking, stinking. It's just, just, you gotta change this. And how do you change this? You, You cannot allow negative, fearful, stressful thoughts in your mind to go unchecked. You have to, the Bible says to make, bring every thought captive. You, you, get, you, you gotta capture the thought. When the thought enters your brain, it doesn't mean it's true. You gotta capture it, you gotta judge it, you gotta bring it to the cross, you gotta bring it to the truth, and you gotta, you gotta say, well, I'm not gonna think that anymore, I'm gonna continue thinking that. I gotta do one of the two. I like, I like what one uh, great preacher said years ago. He said, you can't stop, you can't stop birds uh, from, uh, you, can't, you can't stop uh, birds from flying over your head, but you can't keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop thoughts from flying into your head, but you can't stop some thoughts from building a nest in your mind. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse four, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every other thought. You're with me, you're finally tracking. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here's some good news. Our brain is, neuro, they call it neuroplastic. In other words, 
They used to think that if you had brain damage, you were going to be brain damaged for the rest of your life. That was the old, but they, through research, have discovered that your brain actually has the ability to regrow and to rechange and to be malleable and adaptable. And in fact, they, they found that every day new nerve cells are being, are being uh, birthed in the brain. New neuro cells. They, and, and so this totally lines up with the word of God because in Lamentations it says that his mercies are new every morning. In other words, when you go to sleep, man, God's building some new brain cells. Come on, thank God for that, right? Some of you here, when you came to Jesus, you had, you had about five brain cells left. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? You know it's the truth. You couldn't put five words together. Make sense? You've done so much drugs and all that kind of stuff. I knew one guy. He was, a cra- he was literally a crazy guy in our church in New Orleans. He was, I mean, and he would come to church and, and, and uh, his friend bring him to church and he would come and one day he came running into the building and, and he ran up to me and he has this little piece of paper and he goes, JP, JP, you got to get this to the president quickly, quickly, quickly. I was like, what? What is wrong with you? He goes, this piece of paper is going to save the world. You need to get it to the press. I'm telling you, it's, the world's going to blow up. But, but this, the, he can save the world with this information. I'm like, it was a bunch of scribbles on this piece of paper. I said, dude, you lost your mind. And he had. He'd done so many drugs, his brain was fried. But his friend kept bringing him to church every week, every week. Every time the doors were open, his friend would bring him. His name was Doug. I'm like, this, is, this dude is whacked out. I mean, you, you couldn't really hear, even carry on a conversation. I ended up moving away. I came back about five years later to visit. And Doug, believe this or not, was now leading the church's outreach team into the French Quarter. I didn't believe it. I'm like, you did what? You made Doug the leader? I mean, I know the French Quarter's got its own problems, but you put it, you said him? This guy can't put two sentences together. And I, and I said, you got to meet him. And so I went and saw Doug, and he carried on a conversation, engaged in my eyes. He was thoughtful. He was polite. He was made sense. I, I'm like, what in the world? What I've discovered is that God can heal our minds. He can heal our brains. He, he, no matter what you've done. Come on. You literally can change your brain with your mind. It's called neural pathways. What's a neural pathway? Every time I have a thought, I'm creating a path in my brain. There's a, I'm like a little path, just like a little road in my brain. Every time I think a thought, the more I think that thought or embrace that thought, the bigger that path begins to get. It's called a neural pathway. And in fact, they've discovered that your DNA actually changes your physical Bodily DNA can actually change according to your thoughts. And the more you think something, the easier it gets to think that thing again because you're making this pathway so large in your mind. That's why it's so important. The Lord knew this years ago. The writers of the Bible knew this thousands of years ago that we have to take captive our thoughts. They didn't know anything about neuro, neuros, uh, neurons going on in your brain or neural pathways. They just understood the word of God and said that you got to take captive your thoughts. 
You can't just say, well, that's, I'm just gonna, I like thinking like this and that's just the way I am. Well, you know what? That's wrong. You got to put on the helmet of salvation. And over time, what happens is you develop what they call a cognitive filter. And for your notes, you can write this down. What is a cognitive filter? It's conclusions that you reach based upon experiences that you've had. For example, and this is a, you know, it is what it is, but I've known women who tragically and wrongly were abused as a, as a young person, as a young child growing up, abused perhaps by a father, a stepfather, perhaps a grandfather, an uncle, a neighbor. And they grow up over these times and they've developed in their mind this cognitive filter. And now what they've come to the conclusion is, is that, that men cannot be trusted. And because they've come to this conclusion through their cognitive filter, they keep all, all the men like this. And if one dares to marry them and they still haven't broken down that, that filter that they had, then that marriage is going to be in trouble because it's hard to be married to a porcupine. There needs to be a healing process. This is why we have freedom groups and crossing the freedom classes, the small groups that, around here, because we believe that we need to be healed of some things of the past that we, we didn't even know we need to be healed from. Some people have told their whole life growing up that rich people are selfish, rich people are greedy. You don't ever want to be a rich person. And then through circumstances, you find yourself coming into wealth and money. You got a house, you have now two houses, you have some property, you got a couple businesses, you got a franchise going. Things seem to be going, going well on the outside and you wonder, how come I wake up every morning I feel ashamed and guilty? What is going on with me? Can I entertain the idea that perhaps it's because you grew up with this cognitive filter and now that you have money, you feel ashamed and guilty because you have always said wealthy people are greedy and selfish. We have a cognitive filter. And it needs to be brought to the cross. Filters are, they're sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. Let me show you a picture, kind of a good picture. I, I kind of don't mind this picture. We've used it on some material around here. My lovely wife. And uh, my daughter sent me um, so, uh, the, this picture to me. Show the next picture. And, uh, and it's not quite, <laughs> for some reason, it doesn't, it doesn't quite make me feel good. I'm like, what, what, what is this? Then there's another picture. I have another picture, and I kind of like it. We took this not too long ago, a nice little picture, my wife and I, and she's obviously more attractive than I am. And then my daughter sent me another picture, and I'm like, what's going on here? Same person, same people. One's handsome, the other's ugly. I'm talking about the pictures. Or it could be me, I don't know. I mean, my wife is handsome. But filters have a way of creating an image in us that's not really right. It kind of is right, but not right. Cognitive filter examples. Two different people walk into their annual performance review. They work at the same company, have the same boss, work in the same department, and they get the exact same review from their boss. You know, we, 
We just need this next year. You know, we, we appreciate your, your employment here. You, 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 are, you are good employee most of the time. Your attitude, though, sometimes you have a little attitude. And we need to just kind of work on that because you can be a little negative and bring people down around you. So we need you to work on your attitude a little bit and, and you need to be a little bit more punctual. You just need to be a little more punctual. That's all I'm saying. It's just, you know, you, you, you drag in sometimes and, and so we just need to step it up in those two areas. And the guy goes, are you kidding me? Do you know what I do for this company? You have no idea how many hours I spend after everybody else goes home, but I'm still here. And you got the nerve to tell me that I'm just a little late and what, I've got an attitude problem. I'm out of here. And he gets up and storms out. And the next person comes in, same company, same boss, same, same evaluation. Listen, you got a little attitude situation going on. You got to be more punctual. And the person goes, yeah, you're right. You know, you're absolutely right. And thank you, actually. Thank you for the honest feedback. I need that. I want to get better. Can I give you a hug? Can I get you, can I get a little hug? Right? A little love, bring it in. Come on, I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's two different filters going on. People come to, come to Summit Church. Yes, one. Hey, how was that visit to Summit Church? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the parking lot's got potholes in it, you know, and I walk in and they don't have any, don't have any kind of, just got plain coffee. You know, just plain coffee and nothing, no specialty drinks. That kids running around everywhere. The room's like full of people, just a lot of people, just too many people. And the lights, you know, they bring them down during worship and everything. I'm like, what's going on with this? And then they, they got this, this crazy preacher, just can't, he don't know he's stupid. He really he doesn't even make sense. He just... Can't even make two, I, I don't understand the guy. I can't track with him, you know? And like, oh, wow, I'm sorry you had that experience. He asked another person, same day, same, same experience, same service, same sermon, same worship, everything. Hey, man, what'd you think about that summit church? Are you, are you kidding me? You've ever been on these little trolleys at like Disney World? They like pick me up like this little trolley? I'm like, what? Yeah. And they brought me at the door. Someone shook my hand, opened the door for me. They welcomed me, pat me on the back, smiling, give me a little coffee cup. Are you kidding me? Drug me over to the coffee bar, gave me some free coffee, brought me in, hosted me, sat me down, made sure I was okay. And the worship started. And when the worship was going on, I started crying. Man, just like the presence of God was there. And it turned the lights down so I didn't have to feel like everybody was watching me. I was just loving on the Lord all by myself. And it was just, a wonderful experience, and 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 and, and, and yeah, it was just I don't know, it was just wonderful. And the preacher had some good jokes too. I mean, I like that. <laughs> See, we can train our minds to think what wrongly. Just because you're thinking, it doesn't mean it's right. Look at Numbers chapter 13. We, I, I'll just tell you the story, but they were, they were on the edge of the promised land and they're getting ready to go in. But Moses said, I want to send my 12 guys, my 12 leaders in and I want to spy out the land. You know the story. They came back and two of the 12 were like, yeah, big old honking grapes. Look at these things, man. Slice them up like watermelon. Man, the land's just flowing milk and honey. It's wonderful. What we, got? we can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. And the other 10 were like, are you kidding me? Those giants are huge. 
They're fortified. They've been there for years, decades. There's no way we can go in. Twelve people see the same thing. Two come back with a positive report. Ten come back with a negative report, which tells me it's a lot easier to be negative than it is to be positive. Come on, somebody. And a whole generation of people missed out on their destiny because they believed in ten people that had a bad filter. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, there's a negative and there's a positive. There's a fear and there's faith. The negative, fearful thoughts say things to you like this. My past is too bad. I'm not good enough. I can't trust people around me. I'm always going to battle with my weight. I'll never be good with money. I can't get close to God. He doesn't speak to me. I doubt I'll ever have a job I love. All the jobs I have I've never liked. All my relationships are toxic that I have. They'll always be that way. I don't even deserve to be loved, probably. I'm unattractive to begin with. I mean, that's just, that is stuff going on all the time in our minds. And your negative thought is literally changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Now, I'm, I'm going scientific now. Forget, I mean, I love the word and I'm all about the word, but I'm going scientific. They have found that, that, that when you have a positive thought, a faith-filled thought, it literally releases a surge of neurotransmitters in your brain, which releases, get this, a legal drug into your body that you want called dopamine. You want some dopamine. See, everybody else wants dope. I want dopamine. Because this is legal and it was God-given. And he releases this, this, uh, this, 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 this uh, drug into my body when I begin to think in faith. And, when I don't, and I don't look at the, the, the glass half empty, but I look at it half full. When I, when I speak positive, when I talk with faith, when I declare things that aren't as though they are, when I take steps and maneuver my life into a position where I can begin to move out in the Lord's will and plan for my life, even though it doesn't make sense, I, I think that things are going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I don't think everything's going to fall apart. I wake up when I think that things are going to be great. These, this dopamine begins to come into mind and, and dopamine, here's the definition of dopamine, it plays a role in how even you feel pleasure. You begin to feel pleasure, begin to be happy. Who, who would have thought you could be happy in life? It causes you to have the ability to think clearly and plan decisively. It helps you strive and focus and find things interesting and it creates new paths in your brain. So every time you think a positive, a faith-filled thought, it creates a new path in your brain. And the more you think that faith-filled thought, the bigger the path gets. Until you become like Abraham, when he's 100 years old, still believes he's going to have a child because he's got this like huge path in his brain called faith that's been operating. I, I, let me just say like this. Philippians chapter Put that up on the screen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'll be, I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> Once you put that picture, uh, the Bible says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, if it's praiseworthy, you think of these things. You think about that. If you've got thoughts coming that don't line up to these six things, then you need to kick that thought out of your head. If it's not, gonna, if it's not pure, if it's not noble, it's not true, it's not right, man, it's got to go. You start dwelling on those things, you're just making cow pass in your brain. Let's, let's bring that picture, uh, if you don't mind, up on the screen. We got a picture, it's the same day. Same sky, same ocean, same creator, and we have our mind, a filter. And we look at this day and we go, oh, I'm miserable. I hate my job. I hate the people I work with. They're crazy. They don't even know what they're doing. My car's a clunker. I can't believe I drive that thing still. I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still, in, I'm still trying to you know, work my way th- you know, out of the college debt. My kids are rebelling against me and my wife's, our marriage is just kind of, just kind of icky right now. It's just, eh. ah. Same person, same filter, different frame. Oh, what a beautiful day this is. The sky is blue. Everything's going my way. Oh, I love my job. At least I have a job. And it's helping me get out of debt. And I'm, I'm thankful for the benefits that it offers me. And that clunker, oh, it still has probably another 100,000 miles left on it. I, I, I don't have to get a new car. And my kids, you know, they're coming around. I'm praying for them. God's working on them. And he's leading people across their path. And, 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 and my wife, man, she's, she's been with me for 15 years of all the crazy stuff I've done. She still loves me. Oh, I am a blessed man. Do you understand? It's all about your filter. You can see it God's way or you can see it your way, the enemy's way. I grew up on a farm and we would have pastures and, and there would be these paths going up through the pastures. You've probably seen them. And we, they call them cow paths. And the cows stay on this path. They just walk the same path up to, through the pasture. They, I'm like, get a new path. Find it, just break out a little bit. No, they all follow the same little path. And, and then you close down that pasture and you get them into another pasture and you don't take it and the cows back in that pasture, the old pasture for a year or so. You come back to that pasture and those cow paths are almost gone. Grass is growing back over them and they're, they're, they're having, lot, you know, other things taking its place. That's what you have to do when you're, you have to change the cow pass in your brain through the word of God and what God's told you to be true, right, noble, praiseworthy, excellent, admirable. Think on these things. I just want to just say a prayer really quickly and for those here, and then I'm going to have the worship team come up at, Man, some of you here this morning, you, may, you know what you need? You need Jesus. Yeah. You just need Jesus. And maybe you came in here this morning, and your life and Jesus are kind of like 
It's not happening. It's not right there. I just want to pray for you this morning because I believe God wants to save and touch you and bring you to a place where you can change your thinking. But it all starts with Jesus. Without Jesus, you're, you're stuck. You're just stuck. So if you're here this morning, you say, man, I want Jesus in my heart. I want him in my life. I'm just going to say a prayer. And I just want you in your heart just to pray this prayer with me. Would you close your eyes? Father God, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to come into my heart. Just in your heart, just repeat that with me. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Restore my thinking. And change me. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God for that. If you prayed that prayer, we're thankful that you did. If you prayed that prayer, watch it online. If you prayed that prayer in jail, we're thankful. Please email us. We want to just say this to you. We, if you prayed that prayer, don't leave here without stopping by a couple of those little bistro tables by the door. And we want to give you a free Bible. We want to give you some information. But here, I want to leave you a story. And then we'll close. So, my wife had her birthday just recently. And um, so I thought, well, you know what would be fun? It would be fun if we, we went to uh, this escape room. So Patrick and Hannah and, and, and Melissa and I and little Ava Grace, we went to an escape room down at Gulf Shores. I don't know if you know what an escape room is. Basically, it's a, they put you in a room and they give you a bunch, there's a bunch of clues. You got to find the clues and you got to get yourself out of the room and you have 60 minutes to do so. And so you pay to be locked up in a room. I'm like, okay, I'll go for it. So we paid and they locked us in the room and said, you have, now they gave me a little fob, little clicker thing. And he said, now press this three times if you need a help on a clue. And we'll get, there's a little monitor up there and we'll give you like another little help on a clue to find that next clue. And, but the only problem is it takes two minutes off of your time. Well, okay. So I got that. He put it in my hand. I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to use this. And so we're there five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. We haven't found our first clue yet. <laughs> 20 minutes in, we're like, where is the clue? Where, how do I, where's the clues? And we're finally, my, my mom, Melissa had been saying for the last 10 minutes, just press the, press the thing, press the thing. I'm like, I can't, I'm a man, I gotta find it, and there's no way, I'm, that's embarrassing. We went into the escape room, there's like four different escape rooms, and the one we picked was the easiest one they have. The fact it says on a little billboard, 90% of all people in this room escape, you know? I'm like, 90% make it out of this room, we haven't found our first clue in 20 minutes, come on guys, let's go. We, so finally, I, I, I buckle, I press the little fob, and it shows us a couple of clues, and, and away we're at. And finally, there's five minutes left. We're still in this little room. The guy runs the place, I think felt sorry for us, walks into the room. He goes, hey, uh, you might want to take that there and put it right over there and see what happens. And he, he says, I'm going to put 20 more minutes up on your little clock. That's, <laughs> <laughs> he gets out, and he gets out, and uh, so we put that where he said, and, and next thing, a, 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 a trap door opens into another room. I'm like, what? I didn't know there was another room. I thought it was this room. And so we go through this little trap door, and now there's more clues. I'm thinking, this is, this is insane. 
And I'm looking at the clock, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. We finally get the clues and it opens the door to a third room. I'm like, this is, I'm losing my mind. We got three rooms now. I thought we were just going to try to get out of one room. Finally, the lady walks in. She goes, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> we are the official losers. <laughs> we're that 10%. We are those 1% 10% people that couldn't get out of the room. What am I saying? I said, we all, I'm saying that we all had truth and we all had access to truth, but we just were not applying the truth to our minds. You have all the truth you need. All the truth is right here. All the truth you could possibly ever need to live an overcoming, incredible, flourishing life in your relationship with God. You have all the tools. You have the helmet of salvation. All you have to do is apply it. So why don't, why don't I apply it, Pastor? Because you have strongholds. You have strongholds. There's strongholds in your mind. What are those strongholds? You have to find that out. What are the strongholds in your mind? I'm not enough. Since I was a kid, never been enough. I'm the stronghold of I'm not smart enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a good enough employee. I, now all these strongholds we have, the, the enemy comes and he tries to just lock you down. And the Lord's saying, break out of the stronghold. Break out of the stronghold. You can break out of the escape room. You have the key fob in your hands. Amen, church. Amen. Come on. Come on. I want to pray for us, prayer teams, while I'm praying. Come down, prayer teams, come on down. Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord God, today that you will give us the mind of Christ, a renewed sense and a renewed understanding that we walk with the mind of Christ. And today, Lord God, we'll begin to access the mind that you've given us, Lord, that we will begin to walk in a renewed mind, that we will think upon the things that are admirable and trustworthy and true and right. And in the name of Jesus, we will walk in this earth with a renewed mind that you've given us. We break down every stronghold in the name of the Lord. We release freedom into the minds of your people. In Jesus' name, we pray it. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can we stand to our feet? Can we love on the Lord for just a moment?